In this episode, we're talking to Daniel Crone. He's an EC behavior liaison working for Asheville City Schools. He works with K-12 students who are supported by PRC 29 funds. And he talks about task analysis. I used to work with Daniel, and I asked him to come on and talk to me about this. And, you know, it may not seem like an intuitive choice for a social-emotional learning podcast. So I wanted to address that. Task analysis gets to the breakdown in learning. It doesn't feel great to be the kid who isn't able to do what everybody around them can do. And it's our job as teachers to find out why. And a really important part of that is being able to break apart an activity into its smaller tasks so we can identify where it broke down. Um, This is a kind of emotional issue for me because in this job, Sometimes I see teachers really frustrated by what kids can't do. And I understand that. This job is hard. (sighs) When you've got an outlier in your class, in either direction, it can be really challenging. It can be really demanding. There are only so many hours in the day. So my hope here is that you can use task analysis to break objectives down into smaller tasks. And that'll make it easier to front load. It'll make you able to problem solve with a little less energy and hopefully it'll make learning a little more joyful not just for the kids but also for you as a teacher so i hope this is helpful it's been really it's been one of those things that's like really good for me speaking of great things that i have learned one of the best things i learned in my time in national city schools was about task analysis and you were the person who taught me about that uh at the time we were getting ready to do PBIS videos that I think they align to the matrix at Jones. That sounds right. And we were bringing kids in to, I, I, the one that sticks out for me is we were in the cafeteria and you had broken down the steps in lunch and we just used kids to make those videos. Talk to me about like, where did you first start learning about task analysis? Um, so prior to teaching, I went through Western Carolina University's uh, Severe and Profound Grant Program. And so that is a graduate degree program uh, based on preparing educators to work with children with severe and profound disabilities. And task analysis, uh, particularly in terms of teaching functional skills, is, is just part of the foundation. And when you say functional skills, is that like a life skills? What does that mean exactly? Yeah, absolutely. Like daily living skills, uh, uh, exactly that. And there's so many activities in our daily lives that are actually built up of uh, a chain of small tasks. And I, I think a lot of times we we kind of o- overlook that. And so uh, persons with cognitive differences may need to learn those tasks in kind of a discrete manner. One, mm-hmm. at a t- one at a time and change them together. So uh, give me an example of like um, a task that you would have to segment out for uh, severe and prof- your severe and profound disability population versus what you see regular ed. Right. Um, well, w- one thing that I worked on was a literacy and teeth brushing unit, thematic unit while in graduate school. And it's really what my major project was built on. And uh, the research was actually used in a published paper by uh, Dr. Karina Cooper Duffy at Western Carolina University. 
And uh, part of that was breaking down the process of toothbrushing and teaching each individual step in a, in a discrete manner and progress monitoring on those each, you know, each of those individual steps. And then, then teaching them all together. So there's the two, the, the two pieces there. There's learning each individual step and then there's the ability to perform them sequentially. Uh, and so that might look like uh, approaching the bathroom sink, you know, just physically getting into the, the, the proximity of the bathroom sink, picking up toothpaste, uh, opening uh, the toothpaste cap, uh, picking up the toothbrush, turning on the water, wetting the toothbrush, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And all those little things that we, we take for granted. Um, but, you know, the task analysis was not originally developed through special education. Uh, it was, uh, well, probably the most well-funded educator in the United States, the United <laughs> States military. I was going to say, this has to be the military. <laughs> Yeah, and that was in the early 60s. And so when they were looking at how to best optimize their troop training, I guess the guy's name was Gagne, developed task analysis. And he really wanted to look at all, all these little individual things that the military needs to teach, a lot of them based around logistics. How could they do that most efficiently? That's where it was born. And it first kind of entered education in curriculum design, and that was in the late 60s. And then it's evolved several times from then. Uh, it's used a lot in the field of design, particularly in computer uh, software design. So, you know, in terms of an operating system, breaking down, you know, what steps are you taking to open a browser? Right, so, user interface. Um, well, you can see curriculum designers really benefiting from this. And, and this is really an essential step in reverse design, uh, you know, where you are looking at what is the end learning goal and then what are, you know, what does that process needs to look like? You know? Yeah. And I can totally then, see that in the way we, design. our literacy programs in the last 10 years. Because when I started, it was very whole language. It was just spread the books out and just reading will magically happen. And to see it be walked back, I would say, 10 years ago to foundations. And now, I don't know if you've seen Hegarty, but Hegarty is very, it, it just walks it all the way back to phonemic awareness. We can't get to phonics till we get to phonemic yes. awareness. Um, and the way they're sequencing that is, it's been great to see, because I think it is, I think it's gotta be a reflection of that idea. And, and, and that's a, a great kind of like segue to how task analysis has changed within education. Initially, it was just looking at that kind of the way that we've discussed it in regards to toothbrushing, which is hierarchical task mm -hmm. analysis. Um, and that was developed in, in the late 80s. And that's just looking at an activity and breaking it down into its smallest unit and deciding how best to teach each of those individual units. Also developed, and, and this relates really well to literacy, is cognitive task analysis, where you're looking at the cognitive skills needed to accomplish a task. 
So it's not really looking at those sequential things. It's what does the learner, what are these little individual cognitive uh, abilities that the individual is going to need to put together in order to accomplish a complex task? I think a really good example of this would be Scarborough's Rope within literacy. It is what? Where you are, you know, Scarborough's Rope. Okay, I don't know this. Uh, where... Okay, uh, Scarborough basically looked at all the little individual pieces that come together to make a fluent reader. Okay, okay? and uh, that uh, you know, and they go into kind of maybe two major subsections. That would be uh, language comprehension and word recognition. Okay. And so, word recognition would be phonological awareness, decoding, sight recognition you know, which are all kind of separate, separate little individual skills that kind of, you know, build sequentially. But they need to be used in conjunction with uh, language comprehension. And that would be background knowledge, vocabulary, uh, language structures, you know, syntax, etc. You know, that is greatly reflected in the science of reading. And, you know, us realizing that we need to teach both phonemic awareness you know, being able to, to look, look at a word and recognize the individual sounds within that word and phonological awareness. And so that's, right. is, the, is the rope analogy because like the strands twine around each other? Clever. That's exactly right. So do you feel like in education in general, we take advantage of this prism to look at how maybe how the adults in the building need to function in addition to how the children need to function or and if how do you think it we're using that i i think from a coaching point of view recognizing i mean one thing that's really benefited me in terms of coaching is recognizing that it can't be a one one size fits all approach you know uh each individual person is going to require a different level and a different approach to coaching. Some people you can just review a PowerPoint, you know, with them and, and that's going to be sufficient, but other people, they, you know, they're going to need a, a little bit uh, more support. And so, I mean, I think you can use the task analysis approach of what, what is the end goal? Actually, this is a great connection to UDL as well and kind of connects to students. Is, is what is the end goal that I want to accomplish with this professional development and looking at each individual, you know, doing a task analysis, you know, like what are the things that need to be uh, synthesized in order to reach that goal and where is the breakdown for this individual uh, person? And, right. and that can be applied to adults or, or, or children. Yeah, that's a good thing for me to think about right now. So I'm thinking like if I can identify the step what do you say well, i mean you could refer to you know when all, everything has been amalgamated is the activity and so then i can decide does this person need repeated exposure does this person need it to be taught in a different modality well you know for, for one teacher the breakdown might be digital competency like you want them to uh before uh, uh, a whole group present like a like a google slide of the rules the 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 procedures of that particular whole group activity and the expectations uh well their breakdown might be digital competency just being able to to make that to be able to get images in order to support the text 
for another teacher, let's say a beginning teacher, they may not know what expectations to present. Mm. And so by, by breaking down that task of making that slide that'll be presented to the student into the individual, you know, or that activity of making slides for the individual's students, you can look at the discrete tasks and, and determine what is what is the breakdown for that individual person. That's the term I remember talking about with you is discrete tasks. It made me sound smart because I, all, I always think about discrete mathematics, which I never did in school, but I heard of it. Right. So, yeah. And I'm sure like someone that has like researched and, and published work in this would cringe at some of the terminology. Oh, using. wait till you do a podcast on it and you send it to the person you think you really, you really nailed it. And they're like, you are adorable. All of that was wrong. It was great. Wrong. <laughs> it's great. It's very humbling. And then you say, will you come on my podcast to correct it? And they're like, no, nope. <laughs> just leave it out there. This has been the gift of this job. It's that I just don't, it's hard for me to coach because I don't, I don't know what the, the parts are. And I've had to really dig, dig deep and do tons of observation to figure out where, where it is breaking down. So I think yeah. I have been thinking about it in that framework more, which is why I'm, I'm very grateful that you're yeah, it, coming on. It gives you an opportunity to cauterize your knowledge, you know, uh, and, you know, again, our terminology may not be perfect, uh, but, it, you know, our intent is good. Yeah, <laughs> I think and that, yeah, I, people are very forgiving. Spirit uh, of this. Yes, <laughs> conveying the spirit of, what's this guy's name? Gagney. I got to look him up. He sounds fascinating. Uh, yes, the history of it, it and I, I do have to admit, I brushed up a little bit prior to the podcast. Oh, good. All right. So, You're sounding very smart. That's good. It worked. It totally worked. In addition to that, I do try to build capacity with uh, individual buildings. So, you know, a, a lot of time I'll, I'll be working with an individual student on, on my caseload, and it will uh, come up that the building could gain capacity and, and, and some... Um, behavior management best practice and i will work with teachers administration on on developing that how does that work how do you do that how do you work like i i want to put quotes around this how do you work with teachers and administration to build capacity and improve practice what how do you do it okay well th that can look a couple different ways i've got announcements so i'm gonna can you hear it oh yeah i have i think i have announcements on most of my podcasts i have dismissal bells it's super fancy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Um, it, you know, it can look a lot of different ways. You know, again, I could be supporting an individual student and uh, let's say I, I go to an IEP meeting and I make a suggestion to the IEP team on, on, on you know, hey, how about we add this to the BIP or maybe this can be an accommodation in the IEP. And the, the administrator may say like, wow, that that's a, a really good idea. I could see that being applied in, in another situation. Could, you know, could you work with a teacher? You know, could you explain that to a, a teacher? Maybe okay. model it and, and provide a little bit of coaching. Around. So that's a good road in. It, absolutely. Uh, just being a part of those MTSS and IEP team, you know, uh, as a collaborator mm -hmm. um, and, and a problem solver, a lot of times will reveal some things that, you know, again, if it benefits the 1%, often it, it'll benefit the 99% as well. And sometimes in those meetings, it becomes clear that 
we don't wanna layer another intensive support and we want to tighten up some core best practice. Mm -hmm. But what's something that comes up with the high school population that's different from elementary? Well, <laughs> attendance. <laughs> you know, skipping is obviously, uh, and, and you know, the, the level of problem, it, it, it's just really, really different. And very often what what's needed is more therapeutic in nature. Mm. That, that these are individuals, a lot of them um, are carrying a lot of weight in one way or another and establishing rapport and and really listening uh, it, it really and and kind of counseling based in so i'm just thinking if it's skipping i'm either it's either task avoidance because i don't feel successful in that area i don't feel safe or i've got something else that i need to be doing so or more reinforcing more reinforcing yeah, yeah. i'm getting i'm getting that dopamine hit somewhere else that's exactly right uh, so you, you break that down into what you know what's the cause of the skipping and then try to restructure a little bit so that they get what they need in the, in the setting you want them to be in in the classroom right. and then over time help them develop i mean they, they have to see themselves in their learning that learning has to be relevant and so they have to understand the why uh, of it and, and how that reaches an end goal. So we're circling back to where we started really with culturally responsive teaching. Yeah. And yeah. Yes, very much so. And, and, and really what, what are they, cause at this point, you know, in some points they're so close to being adults, you know, and what do they want their adult life to look like and, and how do their, you know, last remaining years in school, right. how does that relate to them? How is that going to prepare them, you know, for that moment? So identifying that goal and then working backwards to what the, the smaller steps are. Again, task analysis. Yeah. Thing, I remember starting graduate school and it just feeling absolutely overwhelming and, and looking about all the little kind of pieces that I was going to have to accomplish in order to, to, to finish. And it's the how you break, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at but. a time. Well, Daniel, thank you for talking with me. Um, I think this was this was a, a therapeutic session for me, um, and I look forward to sharing this with other teachers. All right, I'll let you go on your day. Thank you for talking with me, Daniel. Oh, and by the way, I need to tell you, my husband loved having your kids make pizzas. He got into he was like in full grandpa mode by the time everybody left. That all four kids. Um, oh, that was so fun. Yeah. Uh, my, my kids talked about it for like three days. They did. About how much fun it was. Yeah. Good. I'm so glad he loved it. He was like, that was the best one ever. <laughs> We've had like all of my relatives over and you guys were still the best one ever. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for, for inviting us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right.